The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing, where each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom from the female perspective. Everything from Star Wars, to The Office, to cosplay, to fanfic. It's all right here, so sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, uh, just a couple of quick trigger warnings for this week's episode. Um, Sasha and I do discuss in great detail depression, uh, suicide, being suicidal, and we also discuss um, sexual assault in this episode. So if any of those are triggering for you, I do recommend skipping this one. But if not, I really hope you enjoy this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening and take care. Welcome to this week's episode of It's a Fandom Thing. This week, we're going to be talking about psychology and fandom or the psychology of fandom. It's kind of, it will relate a lot, actually, I think, with the topics we're going to cover to our very first episode, which was What is Fandom? So this will delve a little bit deeper into um, the psychological reasons, perhaps, that people might join fandoms. Um, maybe how fandoms have personally helped us. And I think it will also lead really well into next week's episode, which is going to be about fandom giving back and the social impact that fandom can have. So, but before we do that, and before I have my guests introduce themselves, um, I just want to remind everyone again that we are taking listener support the link will be in the show notes and or you can just go to our anchor page and for as little as 99 cents a month to 9.99 a month you can help out the show but um like i have stated before from now until at least october 1st 100% of everything we see from that will be going to various black lives matter organizations as well as any funds we receive from the one ad we are airing right now and if we get any other sponsorship from now until october 1st same thing will go for that ad as well. Okay, so Sasha is on the panel with me today. It's just going to be Sasha, and she hasn't been on since Dexter, since the Dexter episode. So, like, two months. Yeah, it's been two months since Sasha's been on. So, I'm really glad to have her back on the program. Um, so, Sasha, do you want to tell me one thing in pop culture that you are into right now? Um. Yeah. So first of all, I'm super excited to be back. I know it's been quite a while, so thanks for having me back. Um, I am late to the party on this one, and I know people are going to give me a lot of crap for it, but um, I just recently started Schitt's Creek. Yay! Um, and I am so mad that I am so late to this party. But I love it. Um I'm, I think I'm halfway more, I'm halfway or a little over halfway through season three. Um, So I'm kind of cranking through them and they're short seasons. So that's my, that's my (laughs) pop culture thing right now is Schitt's Creek. Well, yeah, you're about to get to season four and some 
great, wonderful episodes there too. Yeah, I'm, I'm really. Hey, it doesn't matter that you're late to the party. You showed up to the party, so that's all that matters. So good. I'm glad that you're enjoying it. And our Shit's Creek episode is like our third or fourth most popular episode we've ever done. So it definitely has a lot of fans out there. And we are going to revisit Schitt's Creek next year um, as part of our Pride Month celebration. So we're going to focus a lot on um, the way that show portrays sexuality, which is one of the best parts of that show, in my opinion. So, yes, we'll definitely be revisiting that show. Yeah, and I haven't listened to the that podcast episode yeah, you don't you want to because i was like oh no I, I need to finish what i'm doing first <laughs> yeah yeah you don't want to listen to that until you finish the whole entire thing so, yeah because we definitely spoil everything including the series finale so yeah don't want to listen to that um, <laughs> well and what i've been into and this is something that if you haven't already watched it sasha i will recommend it for you too i don't know if you if you have hbo max but there's a new docu Oh, you don't? Well, you should get it. You should get it anyway, but you should get it. (laughs) (laughs) You should get it as a trial just to at least stream this um, or maybe wait until the whole series is on there. I don't think the whole series is on there yet, but it's I'll Be Gone in the Dark, which is a docu-series all about uh, Michelle McNamara, who was uh, married to Patton Oswalt, and she was a huge true crime person. She had a true crime blog. She passed away. And she wrote this book all about the Golden State Killer, who was also known as the East Area Rapist, the original Night Stalker, the East Bay Rapist, the Basalia Ransacker, the Diamond Knot Killer. Um, And this was someone who raped 50 women in the late 70s to – it was like 1976 to 1980, I believe, was when his crime spree happened. And he also – then went on to become a serial killer and it's just fascinating and so heartbreaking to watch because you, it really, really emphasizes how little credence we give to sexual assault victims and rape victims. Um, Especially back then it was even worse. You know, it was just the way it was treated was just uh, these women who were raped in their homes, it was it's terrible what happened to them. Were treated like they might have done something to even bring it on, which is just absolutely disgusting. But it's just a fascinating thing. So Michelle McNamara had found out about this, wrote this book, and was determined to find out who did these crimes. And unfortunately, she passed away before he got caught. But he has been caught. He's been mm. sentenced. He's in prison, and he was he was actually used to be a cop and. Yeah, it's it's a very fascinating thing. But yeah, I recommend that you try and get HBO Max just to watch this because I know you're a true crime buff. And it's yes. just, it's so good. It's really, really good. It's very triggering, I will say, to any to everybody out there. It's very triggering if you've ever been a victim of any kind of sexual assault, sexual anything like that. It can be very triggering because it goes into great detail. So just I want to put a warning there. <laughs> um, and we will be doing a couple of episodes about true crime coming up soon. And Sasha will be on both of those. So looking forward to that. That's in September was when that will be. Yeah, you better believe I'm all over that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get into the main topic. And I just want to talk, since it's just going to be you and I, just sort of what drew you to fandom? 
um, because you weren't on our very first episode, but sort of what is, what drew you to fandom? Maybe what it was your first fandom? Hmm. I don't, I guess for me, I didn't really think of fandom as a thing until the supernatural, which Mm -hmm. really made it clear, like the fandom, but you know, I don't, I mean, if you want to go way back, would, you know, like my ridiculous love for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or the X-Men count? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. Really, yeah, I guess maybe like the X-Men. Um, you know, I grew up with Star Wars, so there was that, but I never really participated in what I would consider fandom, like interacting with other people. Mm-hmm. about my love of things until the supernatural groups kind of started popping up um so i think that's where it really became clear that there was a community that i could be part of and that was supportive of what i enjoyed in my visual media if that makes sense yeah no it does yeah yeah and i think that i think and I don't know if you agree or not, but I think a lot of what draws us to fandom is that feeling of connection and that feeling of, you know, if, if we find a f- piece of media that we love, there may be people in our life that don't understand why we love it, don't share that love, don't geek out about it, are like, okay, calm down, it's just a TV show, movie, mm-hmm. musician, whatever. It's not that important. And so sometimes people can't understand that. So I think finding that fandom finding that community in there helps validate our mm-hmm. love helps us feel like we're not the only people in the world that are geeking out about this one thing. Right. Um, yeah. And I think, I think that's what draws us to fandom. I know that's what drew me to fandom and yeah, I didn't really discover fandom like the actual community until later. I, I did sort of have it with, um, this community on IMDb Oscar buzz, which I've mentioned before, which was just mm-hmm. to celebrate movies and best and other Oscars as well. And so it was nice to find that because, you know, I don't know a lot of people that geek out about the Oscars like I do. So it was nice to have that community. But as far as like a fandom around something, um, well, the very first one was actually around Batman Begins because I helped run a, um, I always forget about this, but I helped run a whole community, online community website for that. I was like one of the moderators and stuff for that movie. Mm-hmm. And I just remember when they announced for The Dark Knight that Heath Ledger was going to be playing the Joker. And I remember everybody was so upset about this (laughs) and thought, Oh my God, this is going to be awful. And we were all proven wrong, but, but yeah, but, but, and then I really think the first one for me uh, was the Mindy project. And we did a whole episode on the Mindy project, which is a very, very special episode to me because it was, it got very personal towards the end because I found so many amazing women that are still in my life from that, that women that have been on this podcast. Some of them were on that, you know, Mm -hmm. Carla, Meg, Tiffany, Jackie. Um, So just these amazing people that I found through that and then came supernatural. And I think that that's definitely the most involvement I've ever had in a fandom is in supernatural for sure. Mm-hmm. By far. Um, Mindy Project is second. But yeah, Supernatural. 
And I'll go into a little bit later how I think sometimes fandoms can be a little bit toxic. And sometimes even though they help us, our psychology, they can help us um, with our mental health. I think they can also sometimes harm it depending on the community that we find ourselves in. Mm-hmm. And I'll get into that a little bit with Supernatural mainly. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah, so I think that's what, what draws us. So that's but that's the community that we find there. Um, so do you want to say a little bit more about community that you have found or what you think it is that we find within that community and the support we find within fandom and maybe how that's even helped you or yeah, you did help people. Totally. Um, so I think again, for me, when I think fandom, obviously the biggest one for me is the supernatural. I mean, that's how we met. Um, I've got a ton and a ton of people that are on, you know, your podcast regulars are part of the supernatural fandom you know we've got a pretty active community here in in the denver area you know we've got a women of letters group we've got other groups we do a lot of things together we did a lot of things together when we could be social (laughs) when we could have nice things (laughs) yeah (laughs) way back in the good old days back when yeah (laughs) in the days of yore have nice things um So for me, that's kind of the biggest one. Um, But I think that whole, the whole idea of community and support that you were talking about, when you find somebody that you can geek out with about something that you love, um, it's nice to have that camaraderie, but it's also nice because then you find other things like, oh, I'm big into Supernatural. Oh, you like Harry Potter? I like Harry Potter. What do you like about it? Oh, this. I've discovered Schitt's Creek because everybody keeps talking about it. You know, and all these different things. So I'm being exposed to other shows that I may not have found out about otherwise. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that it just fosters that friendship and, you know, you start to do other things because of it. And it's like... It's just nice to have those people that you can go to with certain things. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't necessarily geek out with my husband about this hysterical thing that I saw that referenced pie that he wouldn't get. But if I talk to somebody in the Supernatural fandom about pie, they're they're with me. And they (laughs) understand. Um, So there's that nice little component. I think... I do agree about the toxicity and I know we'll get to that later. So I'll leave that alone. But as far as support, um, I think once you have that group where you feel safe with kind of your geekiness and being vulnerable as a geek, Mm -hmm. because it can be scary. It can be super scary to put yourself out there. But as soon as you have somebody who's like, Oh yeah, I, I appreciate that. I get that geek reference. I'm with you. Then you start to share more things. Mm-hmm. And then you can start reaching out for other things that aren't necessarily geeking out fandom. It could be like, hey, I know this about you. What kind of support can you offer me? So, for example, if I were going to, say, adopt a dog, you would be the first person I would send a message to. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, yeah. because it, I know that within our group, I could do that. But it's that kind of networking and support that I know exists. 
Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if that answered the like idea of community and support, but for me, that's what it is. I can take different things to different people mm-hmm. based on what they need. Yeah. Or what I need. Yeah. And that is a, that is a community. That is a community feeling. It's, it's also, you know, it can be like finding family. Yes. You know, which speaking of supernatural, since that's a lot of what we'll probably be referencing, you know, there is the SPN family is what it's known as. And so it is the supernatural family. So it is this, this feeling of belonging. And I think for me, um, it's, I've always felt really weird in the world and like an outsider a lot of the times and finding fandom and finding like-minded people has helped me feel like less of an outsider and less of a weirdo. So that's how it's helped me. And yeah, with the whole also finding um, other ways to kind of finding recommendations or finding, like when you reference Schitt's Creek, I know that, you know, like Meg has said and, and Carla, I believe Carla would say the same thing too. They didn't really come to supernatural until I discovered supernatural kind of thing. And I, and I discovered it. I, and I honestly had no idea supernatural had a fandom. I had no idea how big the fandom was. I had no idea how popular the show was among people. I had no clue. I just knew it was this show that had been on for years. And I'm like, why has this show even been on for years? And it (laughs) kept being recommended in Netflix. And I finally just went, okay. And it was like in two, it was in 2014. And I just went, okay, I'll go ahead. I think it was September of 2014. I can't believe I remember that. But it was, I think it was around that time. And I went, okay, I'll go ahead and I'll give it a shot. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I had no clue. And that's the interesting thing is if you, is sometimes that happens. Like you have no idea if you're just a casual viewer or if you never even heard of a show you may not know how much love is behind that show. And that's the way it was for me was supernatural. Mm -hmm. Um, And then finding out how how much love was there and then finding out that it was basically, you know, I would say maybe 90% women that are in that fandom. Yep. Um, So that, that was the other interesting part about it. Um, And I'm going to reference really quickly here. There's a teen Vogue article that was published in July of 2017 called, Psychologists say that belonging to a fandom is amazing for your mental health. And they talked to, let me just read this quote here from Dr. Laurel Steinberg, who's a psychotherapist and professor of psychology at Columbia. She told Teen Vogue that belonging to a fandom group helps adolescents connect to other like-minded youths on social media throughout the year, as well as at concert events. Feeling like you are part of a group can help one define his, her identity and give a sense of purpose to what might be an otherwise routine lifestyle. So, do you want to add anything on that where as far as like with teenagers, because we're not teenagers, but as far as younger people finding fandom and how that might help them, do you agree with what she says? Mm-hmm. I do. I do agree with it. Um, I, I don't know if I've talked about it before on the podcast, but my, uh, my day job is a special education teacher and I specifically mm-hmm. work with at-risk youth, um, high school age. Technically, most of mine are incarcerated, but that's okay. Um, So I see the youth and I see them, you know, doing different things. And I think that when they find a group 
that is a positive influence, like a fandom where they can geek out. And especially for those kids, like, like you said, where you felt like an outsider, I felt like an outsider, like just kind of the kids that feel like they're kind of on the fringe. They're not Mm -hmm. really popular. They're not unpopular. They're just kind of hanging out on the edges. I think it can be a fantastic thing for them to connect to other peers and groups with similar interests so that they have somebody to bounce ideas off of and talk to and share that, hey, I've got this feeling and I don't really know what it is. Mm -hmm. And somebody else that they're talking to could totally be like, oh, yeah, I experienced that. It's, you know, you've got anxiety. It's fine. You know, here's what works for me. And did you see this episode of this show? They specifically talked about anxiety and they showed these coping skills. And, you know, there's different things that can happen through that. And I might be jumping the gun a little bit. And if I am, sorry. Uh, But like in Supernatural fandom, well, specifically Misha Collins with Random Acts, um, they have the I'm Alive network, which Mm -hmm. is a uh, 24 hour... basically 24-7. It's an online um, suicide kind of chat. So you can log in, and it's all text-based, so you don't you don't have to have that awkward where you have to call somebody, like a crisis line, if you're experiencing suicidal thoughts. And you can type it out and talk to somebody who is trained, a trained crisis responder, and they can kind of help talk you off the ledge and help you process through what's going on and, you know, get you some coping skills and get you grounded or help you find resources in your area or whatever. And all of that came out of random acts. Mm -hmm. So there's that. And that's, I think, really helpful for some kids that, you know, don't know where else to go, that they can access these things through a fandom to get support. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a great um, it's a great thing that has happened because within supernatural mental health and acknowledging that and helping that has been a big, big, huge, for lack of a better word, theme within yes. that fandom, and it's including all the stars getting behind it, including Jared Padalecki being open about his own struggles with depression and feeling suicidal and. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, with random acts and having that, that outlet where people can go and talk if they need to talk. I know for me personally, as a teenager, you know, I often say, I think it would be very hard to be a teenager right now when you have social media. I didn't have that as a teenager. We Mm -hmm. kind of had AOL right on the outskirts of when I was close to graduating. So, but that was just new and wasn't, didn't become a big thing. So it wasn't the same kind of thing. You didn't have people constantly judging you online. And and, and I think that would be really hard as a teenager to deal with. So if you had this added outlet of having a community built around a fandom or a thing that you, a thing that you really were passionate about and loved, it might help you not feel so alone in the world, especially at that time when you're so vulnerable yeah. and where you just – you're growing. You don't know exactly who you are yet. You're coming to learn who you are. Your hormones are going crazy. 
it's uh, not pretty. It's None not a it very nice pretty. time. No, I know. I, I would never in a million years want to go back to being a teenager. No, never. you could not pay me enough. I know. Sometimes I go, it might be nice to be like six or seven again. <laughs> But never a teenager, and I'd never want to go back to high school, Mm-mm. you know. And I was very fortunate that I found a high school, um, or my mom found it later, that really saved my life. And I'm not, I, I'm being completely serious about that because right. I really don't know if I'd be alive today or I would have even graduated high school today if it hadn't been for that. So I was very lucky, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I, I I had really, really hard teenage years, and we'll get into this a lot more um, next year, especially when we talk about how mental health is portrayed. And, yeah. you know, I had, I, you know, I had a lot of very traumatic experiences surrounding that, surrounding mental health, actually. And so it would have been nice to be able to have this. I did find, you know, a group of peers, and I did find people through acting and writing and, and being a creative person. But at the same time, I still remember, you know, that feeling of feeling like I had no one in my life and I was completely alone. And so I'm glad that there's a positive to social media for adolescents. And that would be finding this, mm-hmm. um, this fandom and finding other like-minded people who could help them. And then hopefully, if they are in crisis, being able to find an avenue to turn to that is a healthy avenue, that is a supportive avenue that can help them overcome. Um, And then I also think, I'll just lead into this, that there can be confidence building within fandom. And I don't just mean personal confidence. Oh, well, yeah, personal. But I mean confidence coming from there are so many creative people within fandom so people are sharing their artistic abilities whether it be writing fan art fan videos um fanfic uh, everything like that and the support you can get from that i think can be so incredibly supportive and amazing and build up that confidence i know for me and i'm way beyond the teen years but i know it's helped me a lot. Um, what about you, Sasha? Have you experienced that or witnessed that or anything? So, yeah, I think um, anybody who knows me in my personal life knows that I am like pretty hardcore introvert. You know, like just kind of leave me to my own devices. Please don't make me get up in front of people and speak. Like that is mortifying. Um, don't I don't really want to draw attention to me. Like, let's just leave me alone. Um, and I, it was really awkward to kind of have to go through, like, that stage of, you know, being a kid, going through college and all of that with that super shy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I think, and again, unfortunately, I apologize to anybody who's not a Supernatural fan and is listening to this and expected something <laughs> else. Like, I'm just going to put that out there now because it's the only reference I really have. Um but, like, being part of that fandom, we used to do panels at Denver Comic-Con mm-hmm. for Supernatural. And that will get you out into public real quick. And it's real scary. Uh, and, you know, thankfully we had a fearless leader in Melody who's been on your podcast before. And she set it all up and we just kind of ran with it. But things like that kind of helped me feel more confident in my skills and my knowledge 
Um, and then just different things. I, uh, we, I, I'm part of GISH. So the greatest international scavenger hunt, which Misha Collins does. Uh, we've, I've been doing it several years now and I am team captain by accident. I continue to be <laughs> team captain now by default, I guess, but that has helped me kind of develop confidence in delegating and doing different things and really coming into my own, you know, knowledge base. I'm again, for those of you who don't know or are unfamiliar with me, I'm working on my uh, clinical psychology doctorate and I, most of the classes and everything I'm in the dissertation point, and I'm pretty sure that they're going to figure out I'm a big old fake fraud. Cause I feel like that most of the time, but then somebody will say something like this podcast. And I'm like, Oh, psychology and fandom. This is perfect. This is what it is. And I can rattle things off. Mm-hmm. But if you talk to me one-on-one, I'm like, yeah, I don't really know what I'm doing. I feel like I'm faking it, but I have the knowledge. And I think when you get into targeted things, it builds that confidence So through all of these, doing the panels for Supernatural, doing leading GISH, I volunteered with I'm Alive for a year until I couldn't meet their minimum requirements because I've just been so busy with work and school. So I had to leave my volunteer post with them and it broke my heart um, to leave I'm Alive. But all of that built my confidence in my skills and my personal life. Mm -hmm. So I feel almost like a well-rounded human if that makes sense because i just it does it's knowing that people come to you for things and that you feel stronger in your convictions because of the experiences of the group and knowing that you have them in your corner Mm -hmm. you know so if i was going to put myself out there and do something like you did where you started the podcast. You're like, I, I really have this dream that I want to do this. And you had enough support behind you from fandoms that were like, you go lady. What do you need? We got you. <laughs> yeah. And it is, it's a confidence boost and it's, it's nice to know. And if you do something and you fail epically, they're not going to judge you and go, well, we told you that was stupid. Why would you even bother? Mm hmm. So, yeah, very, very true. All of that is true. Yeah. And and with this podcast, this podcast wouldn't exist. Well, without fandom, of course, but it wouldn't exist without the people that I have met through fandom. And not just because a lot of them have been on this podcast, but because it did give me that confidence boost to be like, okay, I'm just going to put this out here and see if anyone's interested because this has been a dream of mine for a long time. And there was actually someone um, a few months before we kind of all, before this all came together or started coming together, I should say that she connected, she reached out to me and she was someone I went to film school with. And she's like, I've wanted to start a podcast too. Why don't we meet up? And we met up and, her idea really wasn't something that really sparked a fire inside of me. And it was just one of those things where I could tell it wasn't going to happen. We, we didn't have that um, chemistry there and it's no offense to her. If she's listening to this, it's no offense at all. It's just, you know, I'm sure she would say the same thing. You could just tell it wasn't something that was going to happen. But then when I put it out 
to one of our one of the supernatural groups and had so many people jump on board it was that confidence builder of oh, okay this can happen and then just making it happen and doing it and knowing even though I didn't have the best audio equipment I had never done this before I didn't have all this money to spend on getting all this great wonderful equipment which maybe some people would advise you you should do that before you start one but I would say no I would say if you're going to do it just jump in and do it and you learn along the way and you grow because if you don't then you'll just find reasons to put it off and not do it and I think if I hadn't had the support behind me I would have kept finding reasons to put it off and not do it. And I will say this is, I mean, this is, it's a lot of work. My friend Joyce, who has been on here before, she wants to do an episode towards the end of the year where she interviews me to find out what I've learned doing this. <laughs> and it is, it's like another job. It's having mm-hmm. another job that you don't get paid for. So right. you better love doing it. Right. You're not really getting anything financially out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but emotionally, I do. And to me, it's an extension of fandom because I get to come on here every week and geek out about things I love. And no one is going to judge me on this show. Mm-hmm. You know, no, not a single guest will judge me. Most of the people that are going to listen to this podcast, they might judge my taste, but they're not going to judge me personally for being like a horror geek or geeking out over you know, Kelvin Harrison Jr., as many times as I've mentioned him on this show, or George Clooney, or any of those things that I've geeked out about, people aren't going to judge me because they have stuff that they geek out about, and they love it, and they let that, you know, flag fly, you know, they're not ashamed of it. And so I think that's really where that confidence building comes from. I know, you know, I, I had a severe writing block that I had for a long time. And this is, this is going back to when I was in the the Mindy project fandom. Um, and I just decided one day I'd write a fanfic for the Mindy project and it broke my other, um, writer's block. And, you know, since then this was back in like late 2013. Um, and then early 2014, I wrote a, couple of screenplays and I hadn't touched that in a while for other reasons too, but I just hadn't touched that. And so because of that fandom, because of being able to write what some may seem may deem as silly fanfic, I don't, but some may deem it as that built up that confidence, um, writing a, going back to the mental, um, aspect of it. Yes writing a whole series about Dean Winchester going through therapy when Dean Winchester is a fictional character that I relate to more than any fictional character ever, ever. And writing that, writing him going through therapy, even though I'm not done with that series, I promise someday I will return to it. You know, I've been writing that since 2015 and that has been one of the most emotional journeys of my life And, you know, it's, I know exactly why I haven't written a lot of it because I'm at a point of it where it's the same point in my own personal therapy that I kind of sometimes back away from of some of one thing trying to deal with, but it's, but it's just been this amazing gift and the feedback I've gotten from that. And I still get, I still get stuff from there and I haven't written a chapter on that in like a year and I still get feedback from that. I still get people begging me for more of it. I still get people saying that they've cried 
good tears. I have people saying that they have brought stuff that I've put in there to therapy with them and it's helped them in their own therapeutic journey. And that's just like incredible. And that would not have happened without fandom. That wouldn't have happened without me first discovering the show. Mm-hmm. Second, falling head over heels for Dean Winchester and then finding that that connection in that character right. and then do it and then being like, well, I want this character to go to therapy and the show is never going to give that to him. So I'm going to give that to him. And then having that embraced has just been an incredible, incredible gift. I know I'm rambling on here, but it's just, <laughs> I just wanted to add that because that's what it's given me personally. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I've said before, I think on here, when we talked about fanfic, even my, my therapist was even like, yeah, yeah, this is awesome that you're writing this. And I would talk about it with her. She'd be like, right. yep, yep, yep. And she still would be like, so have you returned to writing that? Have you? <laughs> right. So. Well, because it's a safe outlet mm-hmm. for you to explore things that, you know, you may or may not need to explore for yourself, but you're trying to get it all out anyways. And really, I mean, Dean needs a lot of therapy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. <laughs> Yes, yes. And I also was able to give him a dog, too. So, And it's a dog based on a dog that was my very favorite from the shelter when I volunteered there. So, yeah. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the the beauty of it, though, is what what I mainly want to just say is. Because I think people too often think of it as, oh, it's just you geeking out about a show. There's no real depth to it, no real meaning to it. This is just kind of silly. And especially, I think, when you're older and you're in a fandom, I think people even look at it even more like that because they're like, you shouldn't be into this stuff. You're an adult. Why are you still into this guy? Is this like teeny bopper stuff? Yeah. But that that goes back to that whole judgment idea, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we try and keep our fandoms judgment-free. Yeah. As much as we can. Yes, try to. Yes. I know. (laughs) I know. Sometimes, no, I mean, I, you know, the Mindy Project was a great place to start with a fandom because there was maybe one bad thing that ever happened in that fandom. And it really wasn't that bad. It was just an argument over an episode and people kind of getting annoying about it. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, that was the most supportive and caring fandom I had ever been a part of ever. And it's no diss on you guys in the supernatural fandom, but it was just a different kind of feeling. And I think it was just so special because it was my introduction to that world really. Right. Um, so yeah. And I mean, it was as an adult and it came to me in a very particular time in my life where I, um, I'll, I'll be open about it here because I know I'm going to be open about it in future episodes. Um, I had just come out of the hospital. And so it was pretty much around that time, a little bit after that, that, I discovered the Mindy Project, and then I discovered the fandom. So it was this interesting support system to have after coming out of that horrible time in my life. Mm-hmm. So it was just it was just an interesting, interesting um, moment, and then in the way that things work, I don't know. So it was another I, lifeline. I think that's part of it, though. Like, and I appreciate your candor and your honesty, and being that willing to be that open, and you know honest about everything but I think that's 
we find ourselves within these groups or these things exactly when we need them. Mm -hmm. And if we find them exactly when we need them, they serve a purpose for us and they help us grow. If yeah. they're, if they're healthy and supportive and not toxic. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like what you said it, it with the confidence building for you and with doing those panels and, Mm -hmm. and, and I'm sure with Gish too, I mean, I only did Gish once and I absolutely, I, it wasn't for me. I did, I did not enjoy it at all. And I thought maybe I should revisit it again because it was very much a lonely thing for me. I, it was not, I was all alone doing it and I, it was just not fun because I didn't have any support really right. doing it. So I didn't have a positive experience, but I know for a lot of people doing that is like this amazing thing that yep. helps them. It's awesome. And it helps you. Um, I don't want to out a teammate, so I'm not going to drop her name. Um, <laughs> but she's and she's part of the Supernatural group and she'll probably listen to this and she'll know exactly who she is when I'm talking about her. But um, she's definitely hardcore introvert, not really willing to put herself out there a lot or not. It's not that she's not willing. She's not really comfortable with putting herself out there. It's kind of awkward. Uh, and she's done Gish with us for a couple years now. And now she picks the, like, the most ludicrous challenges that she can to push herself. So, you know, like doing a one-minute synopsis of Tiger King and on video and doing, you know, crazy voices and all this stuff. And she'll, she puts herself out there and nails it. But it's so contrary to who she is. But Gish gave her that confidence that she could get out of her comfort zone because, again it's a team of 15 people. So it's a very safe controlled environment. None of us are going to judge her. And when other people see her video there, it's gish. So everybody expects you to be like some kind of just hot mess. Basically. <laughs> um, so it does, it gives that support and it helps you get out of your shell and it can be, I can see how it could be very isolating if you're doing it by yourself. Mm -hmm. And get, like, placed on a team with people that you don't know and aren't very interactive. For me, it's, it's like, the best mental health thing that I do every year. I look forward to it every year. It happens to coincide with the week before I go back to work for the fall semester. Oh, wow. So it's always the week before I go back to work. So it's the perfect end to my summer break. I have this absolute ridiculous chaos filled week where my husband thinks I've lost my mind because I'm hoarding toilet paper rolls and then <laughs> ask him to help me modify a leaf blower so we can launch cheese puffs. Like it's just silliness. And I don't, I, for me, I think I need that absolute chaos silly to kind of balance me out for my own mental health. Mm -hmm. Like that's my outlet. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's that way for a lot of people. I think mm -hmm. that's what Gish has done for a lot of people. And that's why I'm like, I should try it again sometime where I'd have people here yep. <laughs> in the same state that would be doing it with me. I think that would make a difference. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, 
it's it's an amazing gift that was given to the fandom and i think and i it's awesome to hear how much it helps people mm-hmm. um and even people that aren't even in supernatural fandom right you know that's the other thing is it's is it reaches out to other people i mean i remember when it was featured on cbs sunday morning a few years ago mm-hmm and I just remember going, oh, okay, probably nobody in the world knows who Misha Collins is outside. I mean, I'm honestly, I don't think right. a lot of people know who he, who any of these people are outside of the fandom. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I knew who Jensen Ackles was because I, of Days of Our Lives. But, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> but I don't think a lot of people know who a lot of these people are. So it was just awesome to see that and to see so much joy that happens among my friends uh, to be able to watch that, to live vicariously through it, to have been able to help with a couple of items when um, a couple of years ago, when you guys had a shelter animal item on there and being able to help with that and that kind of stuff really, you know, made me feel good too. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, with the whole putting yourself out there, you know, doing this, podcast and having people on here and whenever anybody comes on here is really putting yourself out there Mm -hmm. because you never know who's going to end up hearing this. Um, You never know where it might reach to, even if it's like just two people that listen, Right. which it's never been that I will will say, but even if it is just two people listening, you know, you still, it could be two people that you don't even know. And so you don't know who you're reaching. So it is putting yourself out there and being vulnerable, mm-hmm. um, you know, on a weekly basis. Right. It's the awkward promotion of it on Facebook and then going, did I say anything stupid that my dad is going to hear? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, I always think about that with my mom listens to pretty much every single episode. She will not listen to Dexter because she cannot stand horror or anything like that. And she's like, I cannot listen to a whole thing describing that show. So <laughs> she refuses. And I know she won't listen to any of our episodes in October coming up when we celebrate Halloween. I know she's not going to listen. Um, so I do think that I'm like, you know, I always sneak in little things of kind of mentioning her and saying kind of a shout out to her because I know she listens and she's one of my biggest supporters out there. Right. So, but I do think about, you know, I, I mentioned my family on a couple of episodes back and kind of called them out on some stuff. Oh, no. I'm like, well, they might listen to this, but whatever. I've called them out on this and at family gatherings. So they're just going to have to deal. I doubt right. they will listen, but you know, that it's that kind of thing where, you know, you're putting yourself out there, but once again, none of this would have happened without fandom it wouldn't have happened without having a love for media yes like i do um and to me being in a fandom even if you aren't being what might be considered creative i think a lot of times celebrating the art that you love and talking about it and discussing it is its own form of creativity i don't know do you agree with that i do yeah I think everybody has their own unique way of expressing their creativity or their um, just themselves. And I think within fandom, you have layers of how you can do that. And again, just to kind of get back on the psych component of it, it can be therapeutic, Mm -hmm. you know. 
you can you can look at this is going to go left field so sorry um <laughs> you can look at something like we'll go the avengers so hulk has a line where they're talking to him and it's like well what's your secret well i'm always angry you know and so you can use those components to kind of help educate and mold how you handle things mm-hmm. you can see somebody who gets so broken down but then they get come into their own and they overcome everything and you go oh well i can do that you know so even if you're in the darkest of depressions and you find whatever your fandom niche is and you find that one person who overcame something you can be like oh well maybe i can do it you know, or especially if your character has some quirk or flaw, or even if your character shows some kind of mental illness, you can, it's that representation that helps you know, okay, I can continue. I can do this. If they can do it, I can do it. If the Hulk can be as angry as he is all the time and still function mm-hmm. as a semi-functioning adult and brilliant scientist, there might be hope for some of us. Yeah, I I agree. I and you know, um, speaking of that, and it's it's sort of fandom. It's it's through the entertainment that you love. I remember there was an episode of the show Sisters. I don't know if you ever watched Sisters from no. the nineties. I mean, of course I watched it. I mean, George Clooney was on it for a while. But anyway, oh, okay. <laughs> oh. all you had to say was George Clooney, and okay. Um. Yes, he was. He was amazing on that show. <laughs> Um, but anyway, but there was a whole episode where the sisters, you know, it's about four sisters and they're coming together to help one of their sisters who is suicidal and who has basically chosen um, that weekend to kill herself. She's already made a plan. She's already said goodbye to certain people and the sisters are learning about that and they're coming together to try and intervene and um, three of them the, and not including the one that is suicidal are sitting around there talking and one of the sisters, Teddy, um, she's describing how there was a time when she was suicidal and she was on the verge of, of killing herself. And she turned on the TV and there was some movie that was about to come on. And she was like, Oh, well I'll just wait to do this until after I watch this movie. (laughs) And so she watched the movie and then there was another one that came on right after. She's like, Oh, I'm just going to keep watching this. And she said, the act of doing that and finding this one thing, and I'm not saying this can work for everybody, and please reach out for help if you are suicidal. I'm not saying this is the answer, but it was just interesting because she's talking about this one little simple thing was what saved her life of being able to find this one thing that she would look forward to. And she's like, well, I can't do this because I have to watch this. I have to watch this movie. I have to watch this episode. I have to watch this. I have to, I have to go to this concert. I have to go to this convention. I have to, you know, the, the new Marvel movies coming out, something like that, where it's just these little things that you can hold on to and they can help you go to the next day. And I know it's bigger than that. Trust me. I, I do, Mm Um, having dealt with my own um, suicidal thoughts and, and stuff throughout my life. Mm-hmm. I I understand that it's bigger than that. And you do need help and you do need, you know, in my opinion, therapy is what 
works for me and helps me. And so you need those other avenues. But I'm just saying, I just thought it was a very interesting example of showing that, of showing how powerful media can be in entertainment. And, you know, I think that that can happen with fandom that is surrounding that entertainment. Mm -hmm. You know, like you said, you can reach out to those people maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe, you know, someone through fandom who's gone through the same thing. Um, you know, exactly. maybe you feel comfortable enough to reach out to them. So, yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I don't know if we'll get to it or not, but I just kind of want to throw out there some things like as far as actual psychology in fandom and different things I'm going to bring up. And I know you don't like animated movies, um, <laughs> but I want to come up. I want to bring up uh, Disney's Inside Out, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you did not see. No, but I know about it. Yeah. So it's, you know, for anybody who hasn't seen it, it's basically the story of all of the emotions in a little girl's head. And I think that that um, in itself is brilliant, especially when you want to talk to kids and um, especially little kids about their feelings and stuff like that. So I think having things like Inside Out or even, you know, Winnie the Pooh, right? I mean, Eeyore is clinically depressed. Mm -hmm. Tigger is, you know, textbook ADD. Uh, Mm -hmm. Piglet's got anxiety. Like, all of those things you can relate to help people um, find comfort or at least different expressions of any mental health or concerns that they have. And I think using that as a tool um, can be beneficial. And again, going through any, anything, the incredible Hulk. I mean, let's, if you want to go back to supernatural Dean, you know, would probably qualify for substance abuse issues with alcohol. He's got anger management issues. They're, they, both have grief and loss issues. Any of that can help people recognize their own issues and be like, oh, well, if they're dealing with it, and it can be an avenue, like you said, when you were writing your fanfic about Dean and therapy, it can be something that you can bring to therapy and be like, so I was watching this show and I saw this episode and it made me think X, Y, Z about my own life. And I realized I have all these underlying childhood traumas I've never dealt with. You know, it can bring stuff up. And so I think that uh, part of that is very how it can help with mental health and kind of breaking down that stigma and making it more accessible for people. Yeah, exactly. No, I I, I agree. Yeah. Um, and you do notice a lot more now and we'll, we'll probably have an episode sometime in the future about this, but trigger warnings are a big thing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I don't remember those being around when I was a teenager, nope. um, or a child. And I feel like those came out within like the last five years. Yeah. It's a fairly, yeah. Cause I even have to be like, okay, like we're recording this show and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have to record a trigger warning before this show, even right. though we're not delving deep, but it still could be triggering to talk about suicide it in could. any form. So mm-hmm. 
you and but I don't remember that ever ever happening and I remember so many times seeing some form of entertainment and it triggering me like you know there's been movies that like may not even seem like they would be that triggering like 12 monkeys I can't Mm -hmm. watch that movie ever again it triggered me big time um um, let's be fair that's kind of a twisty one yeah, it is twisty, but I mean, you know, the devil's advocate really got to me. Hmm. Um, and I think that was, I can't remember who, I think it was, wasn't it Charlize Theron who's in that movie? Doesn't she play the love, the Keanu Reeves' so. wife? Yeah, it was her character that was very triggering. Hmm. But but there was never really any warnings about that. And there's no. still stuff that comes out today that you're like, whoa, there should be some kind of warning about this um you know there was a movie recently i saw on netflix i can't remember the name of it but i was like oh man they should really have a warning on here about suicide especially since this is like a something geared towards teenagers Mm -hmm. um you know so you so i while i think i think it could help psychologically i think it can help help you be able to sort of recognize that like you said go to your therapist and say this was triggering there are times I think where if you don't have that support, it isn't always helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the biggest, the big one that comes to mind for me is 13 reasons why. Oh yes. Which is to me. Yes. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, they finally put warnings before that show, but that first season, I, did you ever watch that show? So here's the deal with that show. I made it through the first four episodes and then I was traveling mm-hmm. and when I got to my friend's house that I was staying with, um, they had already watched a bunch of it. So I saw the last like episode and a half. So I missed all of the middle stuff, but I'm familiar with the story of it. So I knew what was happening and like what was going on. Um I did not feel the urge that I needed to go back and watch the episodes I missed. I did not feel the urge that I needed to watch any of the additional, what are they on season two, season three? I don't know why there's more seasons of it. Yeah. I think, I think they're on season four is supposed to be their last one or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't understand. I, yeah, that one I've got issues with on multiple levels. Um, I do, you're posting trigger warnings on this one, right? Yes, I am. Yes. <laughs> Add the sexual assault trigger warning. Yes. Um, so the whole, the girl who basically, it was the friend, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong on any of it, but I, I believe it was her friend got raped at a party she was kind of like in and out of consciousness yes um and the way that that girl responded to that assault i feel like was spot on as far Mm -hmm. as you know all of her behaviors and her decline in mental health and everything that was going on really was representative of what happens to people who have been through that kind of trauma um so i thought that that was good, but a lot of the stuff in there I did not like. I did not think they did a good job with. It just felt very icky. Yeah, and it's icky. Yeah, no, it's it's the right word. Um, oh. And I 
I watched the first two seasons. Um, and I don't know why I watched the second season because I had such a problem with the first season. You know, when I first started it, I was like, wow, this is pretty incredible that they're making a show about this and they're going to be so frank. But it gets to the point, and, and the reason I'm bringing this up in connection with fandom is because there are there's a huge, huge fandom behind this show. And that and it kind of worries me. I guess I should. I mean, I don't know these people. Maybe it, I guess it maybe it does help people. But there was also a big increase in people being suicidal after watching that show because they show the suicide in graphic detail. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I it was one of the most disturbing things I have ever ever seen, and to me it romanticized it in a lot of ways even Mm -hmm. though it showed pain even though it showed her being in a lot of pain while she did it it still was very romanticized yeah and um she's sexually assaulted as well you learn that she had been sexually assaulted she had been raped and Mm -hmm. you learn that too and then in the second season there is another sexual assault um against a, a another male classmate and it is it's so graphic and so painful and worse than the other ones in the first season I think personally to watch um because of what was involved in it and the and it it, it worries me that there is such a fandom behind this and that people may not seek out help after watching this. I don't know if that makes sense. That that's that's why I bring it up because it kind of goes into I wanted to go into a little bit about how it might hurt your mental health because mm-hmm. I know with that show there person there were there was an uptick in people being suicidal and young kids being suicidal. Um and so I mean I don't know if that if that makes sense but my worry around it makes sense but I do worry with that. I think so, and I think I totally get what you're saying. I hear where you're coming from, and I agree that you have to be very careful. I like that it brought up where you could talk about suicide a little more openly. A lot of people, when you hear suicide or suicidal ideation, a lot of people shy away, and they don't want to talk about it. Because they operate under the, if I talk about it, then they're going to do it, which is not the case. Mm -hmm. Just because you find out that a friend is suicidal, you need to talk to them about it. And you should encourage them strongly to reach out to a crisis line or the suicide hotline or any suicide chat that they can access. I will put that out there, Um, you know, and... If you've got a friend who is suicidal, you can reach out to the crisis line of your state. Colorado has a crisis line that you can call and just be like, hey, I've got a friend. You don't need to tell them who it is. You can just say, I've got a friend who's suicidal. I don't know what to do. How can I help them? And they will offer you information. Mm-hmm. So those sources, resources are available. Um, I, I am glad that the 13 Reasons Why brought up suicide and made it more... Um, accessible to discuss the kind of graphicness of it makes me uncomfortable Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost this it's going to sound weird because I just can't find a better word for it, but it's almost like gratuitously graphic. Like, yes. And I don't know that that's the right word, but you, you know what I'm trying to say where it's like, yeah, did we have to go to that level? Maybe we did. Maybe we needed it to be so shocking and so jarring that people would go, Oh, I didn't realize that it could be like that. I didn't realize that this would happen. And maybe people need it to be that jarring for them to have these conversations because they're just so numb to everything. And, you know, there's so much myth and clouded secrecy around mental health and mental illness and suicide and, you know, any of that stuff. If it's anything beyond depression or anxiety, nobody wants to talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's all very hush hush. Um, and so I I don't know if it's, does the good of making it more acceptable to talk about outweigh the potential triggering and potential uptick and potential harm that it could cause? Because I can see how all of that can be extremely triggering and extremely upsetting, especially for young kids, teenagers who are watching this without knowing Mm-hmm. you know how to cope or having even the level of maturity to access the tools to cope yeah because it's readily available on netflix and mm-hmm. i don't i mean who sets up kid protected passwords on netflix yeah i mean if you've got like an 11 or 12 year old who accesses that how traumatic could that be? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're not going to necessarily read the warnings that come before it, you know, or the warning could even make it more enticing. All right, let's be real. I don't read warnings. <laughs> <laughs> I do for that show because, because of the stuff in that show, because That's it fair. is so graphic. And I do think... You know, when I, like I said, when I first started watching it, I was like, this is a very important show. People should be watching this show. And then I happened to, before I even got to that episode, I was on Twitter and someone had put out there a recording of the scene of her when she kills herself Mm -hmm. and no warnings, nothing. And I was just scrolling through, I think I was looking in the tag, the 13 reasons why tag and it happened to be there. Oh. And it was so incredibly triggering to me. And I'm not a teenager, but it was incredibly triggering to me. And I was like, if I had seen this when I was a teenager, I don't know what it would have done to me. Because, you know, like you said, on the one hand, I don't think talking about suicide will lead people to, will necessarily lead people to be suicidal. I don't think that. But I think there's a way that you need to show it. There's a way you need to treat it. And I don't think it's necessary to graphically show it. I just don't think that's necessary to show the, to show the act graphically like that. Mm-hmm. Because even though they try to show how the pain she felt while she was doing it to make, to be like, yeah, you're going to experience a lot of pain when you right. kill yourself this way. At the same time, it, it was almost like this, it was kind of it kind of reminded me of um, torture porn in a way. Um, 
which to me is and and next year and I've added this on there, Sasha, since I know you're going to be on all those, but I, I, I added this one on of comparing slasher flicks to torture porn because I think there actually have a lot of differences, honestly. I know some mm-hmm. people may not agree with that, but I think there's a big difference between them. Yeah. Um, and I, I do not like torture porn. I, I don't like that genre. I think it's really hurt horror. Um, I've watched a few where I felt literally dirty after watching it because you could tell it was like getting off on this and that's kind of the way it felt watching that and especially watching the sexual assault in season two Mm -hmm. uh while i think it's important to talk about the fact that not only women are sexually assaulted but so are boys i think that's very important to talk about but it's the way you talk about it yes and it just you know, if it if it can help people, then yes, I'm all for it. If it leads to people getting more therapy, if it leads to people being more open about what happened, if it leads to people acknowledging that sexual assault is real and that it happens to, it can happen to anyone, um, then I think that is the good side of it. And that can be a good build of a fandom. But I do worry about a toxic side of that. And I'm not saying I've seen it because I've not been involved in that fandom at all. I'm just going off of hearing people, you know, saying there was that uptick uh, in people being suicidal. So that's my worry. And I, I just want, that's why I wanted to bring it up because I, while I think for the majority of the time, the majority of the time, I think fandom helps people. I think it helps their mental health. Um, I think it can help you find that community like we've talked about. It can help you build that confidence like we've talked about. Yep. But there's a toxic side to it. Um, someday we'll talk about fanboys um, yeah. <laughs> and the toxicity around that. Right. But I won't do that today. But, um, you know, but it, do you have anything you want to add on sort of any toxic side to it? Maybe even the toxic side of the SPN family? <laughs> um. So I think when, when you get, let's see, how can we phrase this? I think when you get fans that have very clear preferences on what they like and another fan doesn't necessarily agree with that viewpoint, then you get into that toxic level um, when they're trying to ram their like ships right people will get really embattled over shipping yeah i'm not really a shipper so i i got no skin in the game you ship whoever you want to ship i i'm not gonna you do you (laughs) you know (laughs) but a lot of people will get upset about it and then you can get into a lot of belittling and name calling and it can turn real ugly real quick Um, and I think that's one of the, definitely one of the downsides. Um, if, I don't know, I think that it's, and maybe it's individuals. Maybe there's just Mm -hmm. people who are generally toxic people, you know, like they're just always toxic and they get into a group and they act like a cancer. And it just slowly spreads as they start to toxify others. Mm-hmm. That sounds really weird. No, it doesn't at all. I think it makes perfect sense, honestly. Yeah. Um, and I think 
with the supernatural fandom to use that as an example it's the biggest toxic element of the supernatural fandom is all around shipping like you said that's primarily where it is it's also in between people who are dean girls sam girls cast girls stuff like that as well there's also toxicity in there um because there's um hardcore um dean girls i thought i know Mm -hmm. there's a different word for it but and I, I've been friends with those people on Twitter before, mm-hmm. um, and it is very much a you know only they only love Dean, pretty much. I mean, they love some other characters, but they're not a fan. Especially, they're not a fan of Sam, mm-hmm. and um, not really the biggest fan of Cass. So, extreme Dean girls. Sorry, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> EDG. Yeah, I was like, I know there's a word for it. And it's also, it goes the same for Sam and for Cass right. as well. And I know with shipping, you know, what happened, you know, I've had experiences with that where I used to ship Dean and Cass on Supernatural. Mm-hmm. And I've said before, I stopped shipping them because of the fandom around them, because it was so toxic, because because I love Dean so much and there are so many people that I interacted with or I would see posting stuff on that site. I mean, I love people that, that love them and ship them and aren't like this at all. I want to say a couple of them have been on this podcast. So, um, but there were so many people that they would be like belittling the character of Dean and saying Dean was horrible and awful. And I'm like, well, why would you even want him with Cass then? Why would you ship him? So it turned me off. So the fandom turned me off. And that wasn't even like people being toxic to each other. It was more like, okay, you're just making me not like this ship anymore. You're making me not even like Cass anymore in this weird way. It was this, had mm-hmm. this weird effect. Um, but you do notice it a lot between um, Destiel shippers, which are Dean and Cass, and people that um, ship Dean and Sam. So incest sheep shippers because, you know, they're brothers in real life. So it's a play on the incest word. Not in real life. Sorry. On the show. Um, <laughs> they're basically and, brothers in real life, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's basically you have that. You have these very that's where the toxicity comes in. More honestly, I will say within the incest side of it, there are specific people on that side that are very, very toxic and say horrible, awful things about people and go after people personally. And, and you'll see it on the other side too. So it becomes this personal thing where they take this thing that they love so much. Plus a lot of these people think that Jensen and Jared in real life are in love and that their wives are just beards. And it's this whole thing where they've got this uh, whole network of people that believe this mm-hmm. and there's even people that believe that Jensen and Misha are in a relationship too. So it's this interesting thing where they take, where you take this thing that you're passionate about, this thing that you love and this thing that can bring so much joy into your life. And because you're so passionate about it, and this is the way that the real world works. I mean, you right. find something that you love, you like, and I mean, you look at politics, Politics is the same kind of thing. And you get so wrapped up in your one viewpoint and what you think is the true thing that you can't look outside of that bubble. And it becomes so personal to you that you then turn it into this thing where you are having personal attacks on people, where 
you know, you're, you're threatening people where you're too, I mean, that's happened. And that happens in a lot of fandoms. I'm going primarily off of my experience with supernatural fandom, probably why I'm not on Twitter as much anymore, but with, as far as with that side of Twitter, mm-hmm. but you see that it's like, you know, you, you can't, you can't speak bad about certain things um, or you can't speak good about certain things. I mean, it's just, it's just this weird toxicity that can kind of um, take over. And I know quite a few people who've stopped watching the show and completely left the fandom because of it. When fans reach that toxic level, it's like obsession crosses over. So you can have things that you love and you're passionate about as soon as you cross over into that super obsessed, it's this way, it's my way or the highway. Then you start, like you said, when they start attacking people, it takes, it sucks all the fun out of it. And if they're attacking and belittling, belittling each other or others, it's so sensitive to the mental health status of people. A lot of people in fandoms are there because... They feel that, again, that community, that support, that confidence, you know, you could pick any of us and go through the DSM and be like, okay, you've got this and this and this that you could technically qualify for, but this is your primary, you know, mental health disorder. All of us could have something. Um, And those, when those toxic fans come in, all you can see in yourself is that one flaw because they're going to find it and they're going to target it and pinpoint it. They, because they'll smell out weakness Yeah. because that's what they do. So they'll start, if you don't ship their ship or if you don't agree with their view, if you're not a hardcore enough Dean girl that you support everything, then you're not a real fan. And why are you here? Mm-hmm. You're only here because they support mental health. Well, what's wrong with you? Oh, You've got depression and then it just, it turns super toxic. And that's when you have the people and not even in fandoms everywhere. I mean, that's when you get into the cyberbullying. Like we were talking about the kids when they get online and they can find a community. If they get in with a good group, they'll be fine. But there's that scary part out there. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's when I think it can be really damaging to. Mm -hmm. mental health which it has been I mean I've known people that have I mean I've heard about people through bullying online that through the fandom that they've been suicidal because of it I mean it's just it's a very that's when it becomes toxic because it's kind of like I was this is going to sound like a really weird thing to compare it to but I was watching um The Truth About Cats and Dogs which I absolutely adore that movie so much and I was watching it last night and you know it's like she says in there you can love your pets just don't love your pets mm-hmm. so it's kind of like you can and I'm not at all because I am obsessed with these things I'm obsessed with these characters I'm not saying that's not okay but I think there does get a point where you kind of have to separate yourself from it and go, okay, if this is har- harming my life and hurting me psychologically. And if it's become such this big thing that I am becoming toxic, I'm hurting people, I'm being hurt because of it, then I need to separate myself out and not love it in that way because that's a toxic love. That's a toxic, that's being a toxic fan, if, if that makes sense. So 
I think that I think, you know, there does come that point where it might cross over into almost an obsession. Mm-hmm. Um, which it's unhealthy. Part. Yeah. You can have a healthy obsession and you can have an unhealthy obsession. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not at all saying that these people would do this, but it's almost like where fans of celebrities become stalkers and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. That's where it kind of can cross the line where you can love something up to a point, but if it ends up taking over your life in an unhealthy way or you become harmful because of it, then it's no longer helping you mentally. Right. And it's hurting you mentally. Um, mm-hmm. When it blurs the lines between reality and fiction. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then that's when you cross over into, you know, some serious psychosis of when people think that they're actually in relationships with these stars when they hit that stalker status. Mm-hmm. You know, when they think that these people are talking to them specifically when they say something. And um, it is, yeah. it's that very fine line between <laughs> you can love it, just don't love it (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so exactly yeah but i think for overall i would say it's been more positive i see more positives coming from fandoms Mm -hmm. than negatives there definitely are but that's for anything exactly i mean you could even take football right there's there's some good stuff in the sports balls and then there's some not so good stuff in the sports balls (laughs) yeah like it's everything, but I think overall in fandom, there tends to be more positivity or more sense of community. It's that belonging again, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you find a group that share common interests and that's what you do. And then when somebody in that group becomes toxic, you, you take a step back and look at it and go, okay, are they toxic? Am I a toxic? What happened to make it toxic? And if you're self-aware enough that you can recognize the toxicity, you can kind of find a workaround of, okay, it's that person, I just need to avoid them. Or it's this entire group, I need to avoid that. Or Mm -hmm. it's this particular subsect, I need to avoid that. Um, And again, you have to be self-aware enough to recognize it, which could be tricky for some people. Um, But... I real I'm one of those stupid optimists that tries to see the good in people and tends to believe that for the most part people are behaving in a positive manner and that they're not out to get you. Yeah. And that could be naive on my part and I I recognize that because I've been in situations where my radar should have gone off and didn't cuz mm-hmm. I try and see the good in people and then it was like, "Oh yeah." That didn't work in my favor. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, it's the positives far outweigh the negatives for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because my positive experiences with it far outweigh the few negative experiences I've had with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just going back to just this podcast. I mean, there's nothing more positive that I can think of than this podcast coming out of fandom for me. Right. Um, And the people on it. Yeah. Um, 
So I just, I mean, you've already kind of touched on it, but I just want to close out with a positive. I want to close out on positivity here. Mm -hmm. And just how has fandom, as deep as you want to get with it, how has it personally helped you? Um, I, this is going to sound super cheesy, but I feel like I have made some really positive, good, healthy friendships Mm -hmm. with a lot of strong, amazing women. And I don't think that I had those relationships with, particularly with women, up until now. And part of that is that I'm getting old and, you know, things change, your perspectives change as you get older and stuff like that. So I recognize that. But I do feel like I've got some pretty good friends out of the fandom. Um, Even if they're not, like, hang out all the time friends, I have a network that I can call upon for different support and not feel like I would be judged. So... I think that for me, um, other than that, I really, again, I, I got the pleasure of volunteering with I'm Alive, which is a phenomenal organization. Uh, I would 100% still be doing it if I could have made the hours work, you know, my volunteer hours work with going to school and working full time. I just couldn't, it was too much on my plate and my own mental health was declining because of it. Um, So I think that that was another huge positive experience. Just getting to do that and meet that group of people was awesome. So I think just the, the sense of belonging in a group where I know the only reason that they would judge me is if I, you know, fell down my stairs at one of our gatherings, (laughs) like, like, really? (laughs) You did that? They're not going to judge me based on anything else. Mm -hmm. You know, just if I trip or, I don't know, choke on a chip. I don't know. Something ridiculous that (laughs) is not life-threatening and detrimental to my my brain capacity. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's... What about you? Yeah. Um, Well, of course, the podcast. But but going beyond that... um, a lot of what you said as far as finding people to connect to. I have always struggled finding people in my life that I feel truly support me and truly honestly give a crap about me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always felt kind of like I have been the support system for everybody, but I haven't ever felt that from the majority of people that have been in my life. Um, not all of them, but the majority. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't find that among the people that I am friends with, with that I found within fandom. Um, I have some amazing people that really, I feel like I have cheerleaders that are behind me that are cheering me on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would consider you to be one of those people. I've, I've mentioned before that um, Carla is very, very special to me because yeah. she I've never had anyone be as big a cheerleader next to my mom as she is. 
honestly, she's of me and this show. Huge cheerleader. Yeah, she's incredible. I mean, I I cried about it on the Mindy Project when I talked to her about it because oh. it's because she, and she's such a beautiful person anyway. But yeah. having that behind me helps this podcast be what it is. It really honestly would not be what it is without that support. So I'm giving you another shout out, Carla, because it's it's very, very true. And it's not just because she helps promote the podcast. And it's not just because, um, you know, she does all the cover art for it. It's because I can tell that she really, truly believes in me. Mm-hmm. And that's something very rare and very special because that's a very rare thing to find in this world. Honestly, sadly it is. It's just, it's, it's very rare to find people that really truly honestly believe in you without having some kind of ulterior motive or without trying to just look out for themselves Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, and so I would have never found that without one day, stuffing envelopes and being like, I needed a silly show on and turning on the Mindy project. If I had not done that, I would not have found her. Then I wouldn't have ended up. Honestly, I don't think I would have ended up watching supernatural. I think it all kind of leads into each other, which may sound Mm -hmm. like a weird thing to lead into it, but it it is. And Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been like, okay, well I found a fandom that way. So let me seek out people and supernatural and then going to a convention and finding a supernatural group here and being able to find you, you amazing women has been an incredible gift in my life. Just so many varied people from all walks of life and just different interests. And that to me has been such a blessing and to be able to be around those people and be able to be as geeky as I want to be and not be judged at all. And, to feel like that's a good thing. It's a positive thing. Um, and of course, you know, the support behind this whole mm-hmm. venture, um, which has turned into a thing where I take this very seriously. This is something that I would love to eventually somehow parlay into some kind of career or something way down the line. And I know that might not happen. And I know that's a long way away but that is something that, you know, it's 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 a way for me to use a creative outlet for me and I'm a creative person. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't think that would have really, really happened without this because I have been in theater groups. I have been I helped run a theater. I help I've been in film school. I've been around people that do things that I was passionate about, but I never felt the support that I feel within this fandom. I never felt that in those groups. And that's, and it's not to demean them or put them down or anything like that. I'm just saying that personally, I never felt that I still felt like an outsider in those groups. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying I haven't had moments of those in fandom as well, but it's different. I, it's just, it's just a different feeling. And, um, it's just been one of the biggest blessings in my life. And, I still wish I'd found it sooner, but I'm glad I found it. And I'm glad I found it when I did. And yeah, so I just, I'm just grateful for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. But you can hear when you talk about it, you can hear how much it means to you. And, you know, I think that that goes back to the overall it's, 
it's positive for people's mental health. Like it helps you feel that sense of belonging and that you have a support network. You talk about cheerleaders. That's the biggest thing is you need cheerleaders in your corner. Mm-hmm. And I think fandom really does offer those cheerleaders. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It really does. So it's a beautiful thing. It may have little tiny warts and all, but it's still, it's a beautiful, amazing thing and embrace it, you know? So don't ever be ashamed to be in a fandom. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So Rock your just... fandom. Let yes. that flag fly people. Yes. Okay. Well, I think that's a good place to close out. Mm-hmm. So are you still remaining anonymous, Sasha? I am still incognito. <laughs> Okay. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at E April Beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. Um, if you want to send us an email, if you'd like to be a potential guest on the show, an interview guest, feel free to reach out to us via Gmail at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. And remember, you can support the show for as little as 99 cents a month to to $9.99 a month. Um, You can click on the listener support link in the show notes or go to our anchor page and click on listener support there. And once again, everything collected from there until at least October 1st will go to various Black Lives Matter organizations. And on our next episode, we're going to be doing another themed show that I think really we've even mentioned some of those things that runs parallel to this. And that's um, the social impact, the giving back, fandom giving back, um, because I think you'll see that a lot. You'll see it a lot now. I've, I've seen it since I began being involved in fandom. So that'll be an interesting one. Until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing and Black Lives Matter. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.